Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. We are giving you something very special today. That's right. Something we haven't given you since last year. That's right. I hope you're open and ready for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite enough of that, Robert. We're giving you our hot takes. Wait, that sounded bad too. <laughs> but accurate. So uh, we have not had a hot takes episode since November of 2020. So um, obviously, Chris and I have been watching lots of movies and TV shows, some of which we've covered on the podcast, but others uh, don't really make it onto the podcast. And that's what this episode is for. Yeah, and obviously we watched a lot between November and January, but we talked about most of those in our year-end review. So we're going to be just talking about all of the things that have come out so far in 2021. And there has been a lot of horror or horror-adjacent movies released so far this year, and we've watched a good chunk of, you know, the most popular ones, I would say. Yes. 2020 is over, the Kraken hath been released, and we have horror aplenty. And God bless HBO Max. I mean, for showing all these movies, so I don't have to go to the theater to see them. So, although on further inspection of my list, it seems like I don't know. I'm I'm seeing a few that were in the past, pre 2020, even. I have a couple that are pre 2020, um, and maybe some from 2020. But uh, I think the biggest chunk of these were were 2021 movies. However, um, do you want to just jump right in? Let's take them up on our hot load. Wait, let's load them up with our hot takes. <laughs> oh, God. We're really closing out Pride Month in a certain kind of way. So, I mean, uh, let's start by talking about a movie that you and I watched together. And this is actually a 2020 movie. Um, it received many Academy Award nominations and a win for Best Original Screenplay. And of course, that movie is Promising Young Woman. Yes, it is. So Chris and I watched this movie when it was released onto VOD, um, you know, for that extra uh, rental fee, right? Chris was <laughs> nice enough to uh, pull it up for me and let me watch it. And um, I don't know. I think we have some things to say about it. Yeah. And, you know, Promising Young Woman, if those of you who are not familiar, is kind of about – it's one of those – stories that kind of happens after the main story you know what i mean mm. so things kind of happen before this movie starts um this person's friend was i believe raped and eventually killed themselves and so she's dealing with her life in that kind of aftermath it's been some time you know and so it turns out she's kind of on this i want to say in some ways overt in some ways kind of subtle revenge campaign that is very pleasurable to watch extremely good acting you know but kind of ends in a very specifically weird kind of way that may be inconsistent with the rest of the film but both of us ended up giving it very high ratings that's right i gave this movie four stars yeah me too and um i i, I really liked it actually and i think i liked it more for the the acting in the movie and i really liked the, the script a lot i thought that, that that the dialogue was great and it was it was kind of funny and it had like these teetering moments of horror adjacency. I um, kind of was expecting a lot more horror adjacency based on like the trailers and the marketing campaign and things that came out of Sundance when it played. Um, but I mean, it really does like have this very strange ending that I, I kind of don't think that we should spoil. Right. Because I, I still think a lot of people need to see this movie 
Yeah. And some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are meh. So we were a little meh about it. So obviously we still gave it pretty high ratings, but I definitely would recommend people go out and watch this. It's horror adjacent at its finest. And a stacked cast. I mean, like, quite frankly, Carrie Mulligan, uh, Bo Burnham, Allison Breeze in this. They have some really good roles by like Clancy Brown and um, Jennifer Coolidge, you know, and like some really surprise. I think she probably has the best line in the movie too. Like Jennifer Coolidge was actually really funny in this, but I mean, I thought it was an enjoyable movie. You know, I kind of hated the the ending at first but the movie stuck with me for many many days or weeks afterward and i was very happy that it got the kind of recognition that it did at the academy awards this year kind of wish it had won some more but mm-hmm. i mean at least it was nominated and that makes me happy so yeah i think we both recommend this movie quite a bit we do well i saw a little movie called godzilla versus kong yeah, tiny film, actually. I, yeah, just the, <laughs> the smallest. Yeah. I also saw Godzilla vs. Kong. I mean, like we said earlier, HBO Max is showing these um, these movies like the same day that they're released in the theater. So, I mean, like everybody can, you know, watch it from home if you have that streaming service. So, yeah. And, you know, it was for some people everything they ever wanted in a Godzilla vs. Kong movie. And for me, it was just so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, but it was so dumb. And so I, I had to end up giving it two stars. I gave Godzilla vs. Kong three and a half stars because I just had a good fucking time with it. I know. Yeah. Like, uh, you and I talked about this like after we had both watched the movie. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know why I liked it so much, really. I think it was like really pure escapism. Yeah, no, like I'll I'll rate dumb movies really highly. Obviously, I gave Wild Things a four star, and it's dumb as a box of rocks, <laughs> you know, and just as convoluted. But um, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, I was just so distracted by how dumb it was. Uh, maybe I wasn't nearly as you know inebriated as I needed to be <laughs> to watch it. But I mean, that was probably yeah. it because Godzilla versus Kong made me cry a couple times. Oh like, my god! I mean, for real, when that little girl's like signing to Kong on that boat, I lost my fucking shit. I was weeping, Chris. I mean, like, <laughs> I just really had fun with this movie. I mean, the only time that I really had like an eye roll. Or, uh, no, I can't even say the only time, because anytime that Millie Bobby Brown is on screen, I'm just like, mm, why are you doing this? <laughs> uh, but when they, like, go into that, like, underworld or whatever, and those flying cars, or what, <laughs> that was when I was just like, okay, well, that's a little stupid. Oh, my God. And they're like, well, we need Kong to navigate it. It's just like a straight fucking slide down to the center of the earth or whatever. <laughs> it's like, where's the light coming from? Like, where's, like, anything? And then, like, the everything. Literally everything about this movie is dumb as shit. <laughs> It's for five-year-olds. And you know what? God bless them. They enjoyed the shit out of it. And so did you because you were, you know, enjoying some of the substances that so many of us enjoy. I mean, I just, I have to go back and think about like Godzilla, King of Monsters, right? You were crying. (laughs) I cried in that movie too. I know I did. Um, But I liked this one a hell of a lot better. I don't know. I mean, like there were some really epic fight scenes. And I really just, maybe I was just in a place where I just needed to see a movie where two giant monsters fight for an hour and a half. But yeah, I mean, like, that's Godzilla versus Kong, you know, like, take it or leave it. I know a lot of people, yeah. again, like Promising Young Woman, love it or hate it. And um, that's good. Everyone should go decide it, yeah. for themselves. Yeah. What else did you see? Well, I watched a really interesting movie called St. Maud. I really meant to see that. Yeah, this is something that we have talked about on the podcast several times. Um, We covered the trailer on a Shooting the Flames episode, and it was fully delayed due to the pandemic. And it finally got a sort of theatrical release 
briefly and then it came on to stars or something i think i had to sign up for a free trial and cancel right after i watched the movie but Mm -hmm. totally worth it so um this movie takes place in england and it's about a woman who works as a nurse in like home health and she is sort of like starting to have a mental breakdown and she views it as a religious experience right so she's she sort of found god and she is taking care of this um famous dancer who's sort of near death played by Jennifer Ely and um I mean, it's just a really bizarre movie and kind of just like a really good character study until the very end. It's like a really batshit ending that takes it straight out of horror adjacency and straight into horror, in my opinion. And just like the performances were so good and the story was just excellent. And I was just enthralled the whole time. And I gave this movie four and a half stars. So really close wow. to perfect for me. Just like an wow. amazing movie. Yeah, I totally okay. recommend it. Well, it's on my list already. I think at this point it's on Amazon Prime. You know what I mean. So if I would have just waited, I wouldn't have to go through all that rigmarole. But I mean, like it's super worth it. I think everyone should go watch this movie. Yeah. What about you? What else have you seen? I saw a little film called The Empty Man. Oh. Yeah. And this movie is about oh God. It's like a mashup. You know, it's like a it's like the thing mixed up with like the slender man mixed up with like cosmic horror maybe a little bit like thulian stuff you know and it's just it had so much promise like the first half of this movie is really quite excellent especially the first third i really love that that like uh part of the story where it's like 10 years prior 20 years prior or something and it's like a really really close and, and confined kind of horror story that's really chilling and you know then it kind of goes into this weird like teenager space with like a like a slender man type of thing and then it gets into like this like weird cop procedural cosmic horror type of thing and it gets into like a weird psychological place and so like i said it starts off like really really good horror and then it just kind of loses its way it gets too big for its britches or something or it gets too ambitious or it doesn't earn what it's trying to do or it's too convoluted or something but it's like one of the biggest disappointments i've had in a movie in a long time not just I didn't, I wasn't really looking forward to it so much as like, it seemed so good, like so much potential when I was watching it and it just kind of let me down by the end. So I had to end up giving it three stars. So, um, this movie was on my list for a long time. I kept seeing people on social media talking about it and, um, you know, I was, I was like, Oh, I have to watch this movie. And then I would always forget about it, you know, and then it would pop up again and then you watched it. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I forgot I had to watch this movie. And then I forgot about it again. And so like after you reminded me several times, I did finally sit down and watch The Empty Man. And I know that you and I have talked about it off mic and I really share your sentiments of this movie. I think the first like, I don't know, like three fourths of this movie, the first like three quarters of this movie are very, very good. Um, I love the intro. I love the second part where it gets sort of like urban legendy. You yeah. know, those kids are on the bridge, right? I think it's just great. And um, I even like the procedural parts of the movie. Uh, but you're right. Like the, the ending comes around that last quarter of the movie. And I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, both on like the direction the story takes and like how I felt at the time. I was just like, you guys ruined it. Yeah, it kind of, they really went for like a recontextualization, like Shutter Island or something. And mm-hmm. it just falls so flat because it, it goes against, it doesn't like change the story so much as it just like kind of invalidates your feelings about what's happened so far. And you're kind of betraying your audience with that. And they, they didn't quite play it right. No, I mean, they don't. And it, it got super convoluted yeah. and really heady. 
And I'm just like, okay, like I was having a perfect time, like following everything. And then all of a sudden they throw this wrench in and I'm like, now what? And I mean, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense and it's kind of stupid. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think that the movie itself is worth a watch just for those first three quarters. And it really is deep dive material just because of how much it challenges you and makes you think a little bit, you know, but just because it ends so badly doesn't invalidate how good it was first. That's why it didn't get, end up giving it like one or two stars. I gave it the kind of like the good three stars is a good watch and I recommend it. You know, I just, just know that you may have trouble with that ending. And I gave it three and a half stars. Like I, I, I thought it was an enjoyable movie and you're right. I think this is kind of like deep dive material and not only because like the movie is so successful at its beginning, but a lot of people seem to have latched onto this and they were calling it sort of like one of the best movies made in the pandemic or released in the pandemic. Mm. And <laughs> I'm like, no, best, best horror movies. Let me caveat that. But um, yeah, I completely don't, I would never say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of movies that were released that I was looking forward to um, and watched like right away when it came out, I watched a little movie starring Nicolas Cage called Willie's Wonderland. I'm sorry. Me too, actually. Uh, this is something else that we talked about on the podcast. We covered this trailer on Shooting the Flames and essentially has like Nicolas Cage playing this like drifter who's car breaks down and they offer to fix his car for free if he will clean up this like decrepit um chuck e cheese essentially you know <laughs> and uh he's in there cleaning by himself and these you know animatronic monsters are coming to life one by one and trying to kill him so i mean like the movie itself is very fun right like i i don't think i've enjoyed nicholas cage in a movie like this in quite some time he doesn't really say anything he just is there like he has no dialogue um kicking ass right so i really like the parts of the like robots coming to life and him trying to kill like that was just sort of batshit and fun um what kept the movie from being great is that they add this weird subplot about pedophilia and satanism okay yeah and um <laughs> so like the robots are coming to life because they're possessed by the spirits of satanist pederists and a group of people are trying to like burn down the Willy's Wonderland because they want it all to stop. They want the madness to stop. And I was just like, okay, like you could have just had a movie with Nicolas Cage fighting robots, which is great, but you have to have all this extra bullshit in. And I'm just like, okay. So I gave it three stars. It's a super low three stars, like almost two and a half. If we didn't, if we didn't have Nicolas Cage fighting robots and not saying nary a word, you know, which is perfect for Nicolas Cage, I must say. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a lower rating. So, I mean, check it out at your own risk. Don't pay for it. Okay. So, speaking of things that are uh, fun but disappointing, I saw Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the perfect you know, tagline for this movie. Actually, they should put that on the poster. (laughs) Yeah, I I gave this a solid three stars. I thought it was enjoyable and fun. It was dumb as shit, you know, and some of it was a little weird and hokey and you know, less than great, but I, I dug it and I'd, I'd see it again. Yeah. I also watched this thanks to HBO max and I gave it three stars as well. Um, I really liked a lot of the like violence in this movie. Oh yeah. They went way closer to the actual source material as far as like the games with like fatalities and stuff. 
because I remember the other movies, right? And I would not near, not near as violent as this one. And um, yeah, the story left a lot to be desired. But um, if you're just there to like watch people get their spines pulled out and shit or whatever, I mean, like this perfect, it's a perfect movie for you to watch. But um, yeah, it is. It's real fucking dumb. Uh, but <laughs> but a good time. So I mean, like three stars all the way. Okay. Yeah. What else did you see? Well, um, I watched a movie called Wrong Turn. I'm sorry. Yeah, but not the movie The Wrong Turn that you're thinking of. This is the reboot. No, I know. I, I can see the doc. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all all I am all for the Elijah Dushku anything, really. But this is not the Elijah Dushku anything. This is the non-Elijah Dushku reboot of Wrong Turn, which I yeah. refused to see. I was looking forward to it just because I like that. I mean, I can't say I like the franchise. I've only seen a couple of the wrong turn movies, but I really like the first one a lot. And so I was like, okay, they're going to remake it, but only kind of say it's a remake or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I have never in many, many years seen a movie quite as just shit-tacular as this fucking movie is. And not like fun shit. No, I mean, like, it's just a bad movie. Like, the dialogue is real fucking stupid. The story is just, like, really dumb. And, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Essentially, like, uh, these students are traveling through Appalachia, right? And they stumble across, like, a town of hillbillies who have their own sort of, like, moral compass. And, you know, these students are very PC and they're not trying to, like, you know offend them or anything but they start getting kidnapped by these people in this town and um you know they're trying to figure out why or the the audience thinks that these people are bad right but it just turns out that they did offend them or they broke some sort of unwritten law and that they're being kidnapped and tried for what they did and i was like i don't understand like it was just not good (laughs) at all and i like I had about 15 minutes left in the movie and I seriously thought about just stopping it and walking away. <laughs> so, wow. But I didn't, I finished it and I gave it one and a half stars. That is one of the lowest ratings I have ever seen you give a film. You, you very rarely go. I think there's maybe two, three films that you've ever rated less than two stars. Yeah, this is one of them. I was <laughs> severely disappointed. And the thing that gets me most is that I, I keep seeing people all over social media talking about how good this movie is. And all I want to do is like reach through my phone and smack them about the ear, nose, and throat. I'm like, no, it's awful. So I don't want to talk about it anymore. There's a bad taste in my mouth. What else did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched The Whaling. Ooh. So The Wailing has to be something that you watch. I know you haven't yet. And it has to be something I think that we actually deep dive, even though I gave it a two star. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, tell us why. It, this, is a, this is a South Korean film. So it's got some of that wacky kind of stuff that goes on in every Korean film that you might see, including the one that we love so much, uh, Parasite. Yeah. From last year. And um, this is kind of no different. It's kind of strange. So let me just read you my letterbox review. How about that? All right. Right. So while beautifully photographed and excellently acted, the whaling is an overlong exercise in the horror of uncertainty. After taking stock of how I felt watching the film, I must admit I felt a frustration, confusion, and not a small amount of boredom during the vast majority of its runtime. I'm sure there's many things lost in translation here between my culture and that of South Korea's, but I still have a personal need to at least moderately comprehend a film. It seems that this incomprehension is built in and very likely intentional. While I stand firmly with others when it comes to appreciating films that challenge us to think, it has to do a good and comprehensible job at it to gain that appreciation. 
As impressive as it was lumbering, this horror movie couldn't quite get off the ground for me. I need to see this movie. Yeah, so it's, like I said, it's it's about the horror of uncertainty, and it very intentionally kind of, it's almost trying to be like the Rashomon of horror movies or something, which of course is infinitely studied in film school, mm-hmm. you know, and... I feel like this is going to be studied as well. I just, I felt like at the end of Rashomon, like, oh, I get it. Like, that's what they were going for. Like, this whole thing, because someone, like, put a cap on it or, like, had the Jerry Springer final thought on it or something. You know? <laughs> this movie doesn't have that, you know? And so, like, I feel like it might be, you know, starting to get up to, like, a three-star for me on a second watch or even a four-star or something when I appreciate it a little bit more. But I do have to, you know, take stock of how I felt when I was watching it. And I was a little bored, a little frustrated, a little confused, you know? And... A lot of this movie, you know, was spent just like wondering what's happening, what's really going on. And they and they very purposefully don't tell you. And so if you're if you know that going in, I did not. Maybe you'll have a better time. Um, I'm pretty sure I can qu- I can quote you from the podcast as saying that like being bored is like the cardinal sin of a movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I know that when you say that you're bored, like I, I expect a low rating. However, the way I've heard you talk about this movie off mic and that letterbox review leads me to believe that you're on the fence about a two-star rating. And so it makes me more interested to see this movie and anything that you say that we should deep dive into. I feel like I need to watch. Yeah. It's like so. a two-star tentative four or five. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so weird. I, it's, yeah. It's so fucking weird to talk about or think about, you know? So I, I've got to like, let it sit with me for a few months and then I'll try again, maybe a year or so. But I do, with you now having been armed with this information and that expectation, I really am interested to see what you think. Because there are some very, very horrific, scary moments. But it's all kind of tied in with everything else going on in the tone. While it's not inconsistent, it does very much evolve and change from almost like a dark comedy at the beginning to very, very hardcore like Seven or something by the end. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's a very interesting movie to talk about and think about. I do love a Korean film. So, yeah. What else did you watch? Well, I watched a movie uh, called Violation. Oh. And this is something that we also talked about on the Shooting the Flames. We talked about this uh, trailer uh, because the trailer kept calling it shocking. Like one of the most shocking movies you'll see. Wow. And uh, it came onto Shudder and it was indeed shocking in certain parts. Um, this is a rape revenge movie. Just like putting that out there because I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea. Mm. Um, I happen to enjoy a revenge movie. Yeah, I remember talking about that trailer, right? And we were talking about it on Shooting the Flames and we were like they're they're holding their cards really close to the chest because I couldn't really tell what it was about. And thank God they do. And I'm not going to get too much into the story because it really is very well made <clears throat> and very well acted and it does have some very shocking moments. Um it sort of shows the the rape in question like from two perspectives, right? You know, so like the female's perspective and the male's and um and the revenge that comes after it is kind of kind of very shocking not even kind of it's it's shocking right um and it's uh i don't know i i I can't really like say too much without giving everything away but it's it's just really good and surprising and i think it's worth the watch i gave it four stars just because it was so good and i i like movies that sort of like push the boundary of what's expected and what's allowed in movies, and I think that this one really does. I mean, I will say there's, there's an erection in this film, and like when I see that in a mainstream movie, it really like strikes me as something that you just don't see very often. And I mean, like it's an erection on a person who is not having the best day, you know. Oh. So 
Yikes. I mean, it's really good. It's on Shutter. Please, if you guys have that streaming service. Kind of reminds me of Hunter Hunter or something. Except good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So, yeah, go watch it. I think you would like this movie a lot, too. In fact, I would love to watch this movie again uh, just to to talk about it. And I think this is maybe one that you and I should just sit down and watch together. Sometime. Yeah, I'd put St. Maud as my next big recommendation from you. But if you think I, I would totally on- watch that one again with you, too. So, I mean, if we ever have a night, let's do it. Okay. Double feature. And then we'll do The Whaling. The Whaling. <laughs> What's next for you? So I watched some Zack Snyder movies where he continues to attempt to make films. <laughs> Poor Zack Snyder. We've deep dived one of his movies, you know, so we don't hate the man. No, we definitely don't. And I like quite a few of his movies. I, he's just he's never made a great one to me. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I do want to start with Zack Snyder's Justice League. You are totally not into, you're barely into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I don't expect you to be in the DC. I did see the, the original Justice League, which I gave a two star. Right. And uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is very unique, a completely new like aspect ratio for like really big, epic, you know, tall scenes, you know, kind of like IMAX almost. But it's like the original square, but a lot more resolution on there. And um, he makes things a lot darker, way, way better paced, less cartoony, um, much more serious. And I bumped it up to a three star (laughs) because it's a little masturbatory. Like he goes over the rails, kind of like he did with Watchmen a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he just goes a little bit too far in some scenes. Some things get a little masturbatory. Some scenes are excellent. Some scenes are just really, really done well. It's kind of like a heist scene, right? Where they're having to kind of reverse heist. They're kind of trying to keep an object away from, you know, the the main bad guy or whatever. And um, it's all these women fighting like this, you know, all the Amazons fighting like the main bad guy or whatever. And it's really, really good scene, you know? Um, And there's some really great things about this, you know, and, and I definitely would recommend you watch this version other than, you know, the other one, but it was really fun to to watch. I actually watched this one with your husband. Oh yeah. He enjoyed it too. He did. He liked it. He thought I was a little long. Yeah. It was very long, (laughs) four hours long or something way, way over mass, you know, but that's what he was paid to do. You know, he was to make his version and they spent another like 20 million or whatever to make it or whatever it was. To, to fix it and uh and he did you know and it's now from a poor movie to a passable okay movie i don't know that i'll ever watch this movie either version i haven't seen the original justice league i haven't seen this cut you know the I first just, thing that happens is wonder woman like exploding a bunch of people like and killing them i was like i didn't wonder woman killed people <laughs> so, oh like there's death oh this? yeah oh yeah okay well maybe <laughs> and, and some guts <laughs> there's some blood and guts and it's rated r easily it's his rated R version of Justice League. Yeah, I mean, I know that it, like people were insanely like like dying to see this, right? There was like this free the, the Zack Snyder cut yeah. thing, mm-hmm. right? And so like I know that people gravitated toward it. I just the whole Zack Snyder like not that it's a dig against him, but the whole Zack Snyder fan base right now seems a little toxic to me, and mm-hmm. that's not great, you know. And I feel like people that are a little critical of some of his movies can get attacked for you know a little overzealously and you know we'll see what happens with with our talk about this because the next thing we need to talk about is army of the fucking dead oh my god do we have to i mean (laughs) i know people all over the social media were like kind of divided on army of the dead you know which makes me happy because i know there are people out there who thought that it was really really good they had such a good time and there are people who say you know it was an awful piece of trash and then there's a few people in the middle who said it's a movie you know yeah so 
I don't know. Um, I personally thought that Army of the Dead was pretty fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did too. Uh, It's not without merit. True. I mean, it like it it looks good, and I I did have a good time in parts of the movie. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about like cardinal sins, right? And I think that everyone knows my cardinal sins for zombies at this point, right? I do not like zombies that talk, and no. thank God none of these zombies were really talking. However, these zombies were like just like steps away from talking because they have created their own fucking like case system, right? And they are becoming pregnant. Which is very stupid <laughs> because they're dead. And yeah. yeah, I just like, no. The only good thing about this movie, really, to me, is that it has a really big fucking cool zombie tiger. Yeah, and it's just like it's one of those movies where everything is happening either before it or after it. You know what I mean? It's like everything of import, emotional importance happened before this movie. And so everything's referring to like the the pre-credits and and you know the things that I don't know. Like there's a, there's a lot of stupid shit that doesn't make sense in this movie. There's a lot of like repetitive stuff, but you know, I think I finally realized something. Oh, what's that? After years of watching, yeah, it was okay. Movies by Zack Snyder. I'm fairly certain he's utterly incapable of making a truly great movie. Like given an unlimited budget and creative control, like he did with this one, he tries and fails to be James Cameron. There were so many aliens ripoffs in this movie. I'm like, for fuck's sake, just stop. Make your own shit. I don't know. Maybe his best films are actually based on graphic novels, like 300, you know, like, God, like maybe don't do your own shit. Actually, just go and do other people's stuff and, and make it really good. Oh my God, you're right. Because when I think about my favorite Zack Snyder movies, I think about Dawn of the Dead, which is somebody else's IP, right? I think about Watchmen, which is a graphic novel. I think about 300, also Mm -hmm. a graphic novel, right? I mean, so like really, he he has a very definite like style of filmmaking. And I appreciate that. I I do have a good time when I watch his movies. I gave Army of the Dead three stars. And it's, and it's not, it's not a horrible movie. It's just really stupid, you know? And just like, I, I had to, and I, I can always suspend my disbelief. I can always fully immerse myself into a movie. But when I'm drawn out of it because like it just doesn't make any sense to me, then, then that that is my cardinal sin. Yeah, so. I gave it a two star because I was just like I could see exactly what he was doing with like the entire final act was basically just like aliens, 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 you know, and then in <laughs> ways to make like weird logical leaps to make all that happen. And it's just weird emotional stuff that wasn't there for the movie. And just like he he knows how to technically put together an amazing movie. Yes. You know, like he makes a really good looking film. He knows how to do all the, the effects and, and everything appropriately. But as, as a storyteller, like he, he no, <laughs> just please. Yeah. This I'm is right the best. Like, that's what bothers me the most. You hand him an unlimited budget and creative control. And this is the best he can do with that. That kills me. There was some eye candy in the movie, though. I mean, I will say that. There's some hot guys in this movie. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's where that extra star came from for me. I, I honestly can't even remember. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, okay. Dave Batista, just... you know, I like him. Yeah. Right. Uh, but speaking of movies that look really good, but sort of falter in its storytelling, I watched a little movie called The Woman in the Window. I think that's the movie I keep misunderstanding and confusing for St. Maud. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, because it's, I mean, it's not at all similar, but um, (laughs) 
this is this is another movie that we talked about the trailer on a shooting the flames it stars amy adams yeah. as a woman who lives across the street from a family where something terrible may have taken place and she may have witnessed and she's sort of trying to piece things together rear window style you know but she's not the most reliable narrator because she's all hopped up on drugs you know like she's agoraphobic and can't leave the house and and things like that the things that really make this movie very good are its its direction and style and the acting i mean amy adams of course is always very good jennifer jason lee is always a joy to see on screen gary oldman i mean fantastic but really the the best part about this movie was this brief scene with um julianne moore and she's just like effervescent in this like 15 minutes of the movie that she's in so much that I was like clamoring for a like best supporting actress Oscar for a oh, 15 wow. minute performance. Like it's just so good. The movie makes some weird stylized choices uh, that sort of like take me out of it. But I mean, mostly I enjoyed it and I, I enjoyed the movie. It's almost like watching a play. And, you know, I like movies that have like smallish casts and very small settings. And yeah. this is sort of like, all, it's all over that, you know, um, it does take some weird, like, uh, I saw that coming from a mile away leaps toward the end. But ultimately, I gave this movie three and a half stars. I think it's worth the watch just for some of these performances. But I've seen a lot of people shit all over this movie. And, um, you know, they're kind of right and kind of wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm probably not going to see it after that review. Yeah. So many other things on my list from you. Yeah. So I don't, I don't I, I'm not sure that you would like this one as much as I did. So so I took a little foray into horror adjacency mm-hmm. with the uh, John Wick universe. Something I know that you have been talking to me about for quite some time. Yeah, I really enjoy these movies. They're all super, super well done. They're never boring. They're always highly enjoyable. Some of the action is really inventive and fun to watch. And um, I, I watched the first two John Wicks. I like the second one less the first one. But I finally got around to watching John Wick 3 Parabellum. And this has Halle Berry in it and a couple of other like really great <laughs> actors. And like there's some of the action, there's like action having to do with like Halle Berry and some dogs in there. And just watching watching her just like her and Keanu Reeves and these dogs like just take apart a fucking building is oh my just amazing, just full of people. Yeah, it's it's some really, really great storytelling and action. And I loved it. And and then I kind of found out there's two other movies that I kind of been wanting to watch based on reviews. And I found out that they basically kind of exist in the John Wick universe. And that is Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron and Nobody with Bob Odenkirk of like uh, Breaking Bad and uh, the show, whatever he had, the comedy show and um, Better Call Saul fame, right? Mm-hmm. And so... These are all very three different movies, but they're kind of all in the same universe. They're all kind of made by the same team of people, you know, interchanging for like director versus producer versus writer versus like special effects coordinators, you know, um, like the, I think the John Wick guy that ended up doing so many action films and got famous from doing John Wick was actually Keanu Reeves, old stunt double from like the matrix, really? right? And just started getting into filmmaking. And these just movies are just so good with their action. And Atomic Blonde takes place in 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall and it's like super spy, you know, stuff. And it's just full of 80s songs and it's just amazing. And the the color palette, every single frame of this movie is like neon. And it's just so wonderful to watch. And then Nobody was just really, really fun. It kind of brings the whole thing down to earth with like this guy that used to be kind of like a an old like top CIA you know, wet works guy and Bob Odenkirk, who's a comedic actor, you know, and then he teams up with fucking Doc Brown, <laughs> Fester Adams oh, fucking, himself. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher fucking Lloyd, 
And it's just a delight. These movies are so fucking delightful. I've given every single one of them a four star or higher. And so if, if you just want like a good action movie, there's like nothing like a really good action movie. That's kind of horror adjacent gore, you know, tongue in cheek, really stylish, wonderful action. Go watch this, the, the movies in this, in this universe. I've heard nothing but good things about John Wick. I mean, people seem to universally really like these movies a lot. I, the, out of the list, out of all of them, I just, I want to see Atomic Blonde like really badly. I don't know why I didn't watch it because I wanted to see it when it was in the theater. Yeah. Um, my cousin and her new wife, this was their first date. They went to go see Atomic Blonde and they both really liked the movie, you know? And so I'm like, okay. I mean, like well, a lot of people like it. I should probably just sit down and fucking watch it. Let's so, be honest. It's up their alley. So. <laughs> I'm sure that's why they picked it. Yeah. And now they're happily married. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I, I, I need to watch these movies. I need to watch the John Wick series. I mean, they're going to make another one, I, I'm sure. And I don't want to get too far behind in a franchise that I will probably like. I need to just like let myself do it. And well, let the, let the neon wash over. It's also fun to watch. You know, we have a, a catalog of these horror adjacent gems that we can watch with people that aren't necessarily big, huge fans of horror, like your husband, you know. And so it's just fun to have those as kind of um, in our back pocket, you know, that we can pull out for, for those events. That's true. Yeah. So we might, I might, I might save some of these movies for this, these group watches. Yeah. And that's why we bring these up, right? Because everyone listening to this podcast, probably if not themselves, their friends or their family, you know, you know, these are movies that are a little gateway or adjacent, maybe slightly, mm-hmm. and they can watch those with them and still be happy. So you're right. Yeah. What else do you watch? Well, so I watched and talked about on a hot takes episode in the past, a documentary called In Search of Darkness, which is sort of like a journey into the iconic horror of the 80s. And I mean, it's a documentary and sort of the loosest sense of the word as it just like starts from 1980 and moves to 89. And it just shows you some of the biggest horror movies that came out that year. And it's filled with the best like talking heads of like actors, actresses, directors, producers and, and, you know, pundits of horror and i i really enjoyed that documentary and so when they said that they were going to make the sequel i was all over it so it's less analyzation and more validation <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. it's just like it's a bunch of people who just like these movies are like oh this movie's good and here's why you know they invite the, you to the, the circle jerk <laughs> exactly you know what i mean you have like the golden ticket to nothing the wrong jerk. with that and i'm there for it you know yeah. i mean like lube in hand a fistful of jerkins <laughs> and in search of darkness too uh, I kind of like the sequel better because, you know, they, they did all the really big mainstream 80s movies and the first one and the second one were these like kind of off the wall, straight to video kind of 80s movies. Like some of them I'd seen in a lot that I hadn't. And I just like really built a watch list after watching these movies or just wanted to revisit things that I haven't seen in a long time. And it's just so fun to just sit down and let yourself get like, you know, washed over and all this eighties horror. It's just, I just love it. I like in those sort of things. I like to rediscover films that I may have forgotten about. And that's exactly. So, and I, I kind of want you to watch like these documentaries. I think you would like it. I think you would also add to your watch list. I gave it four stars. I gave the last one four stars. They're good, but Along with that four star rating, they're also like four hours long. Oh God! Each, <laughs> so it's like eight hours of your day if you're going to do it back to back. But it's really fun. So okay, so I I also kind of went back into nostalgia land and I watched some oldies. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I made Matt watch the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> Had he never seen it before? No. 
<laughs> oh, what? Yeah, there's some more adjacency in there with the big, you know, pillar of fire and drowning hundreds or thousands of people in a ocean and supernatural stuff going on and yeah, That's some right. interesting things. And it's so melodramatic and and the music is, you know, wonderful and you know i don't know i was gonna kick out of it so i gave it a four star i never rated it before i love the ten commandments yeah. i think it's a good movie i haven't seen it in a child heston is you know super hot back in the day so totally batshit crazy later on yeah. right? and so was um yule brenner yeah he was kind of hot back during the day and uh all about eve is also in that movie as uh Nefertiri. oh my god and baxter that's what her name is and, oh my god, this is that quote from uh Du Wong Fu. I'm Miss Ann Baxter in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else did you watch? Some oldies. Well, you right? made me watch Dress to Kill. And I'm super glad that I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and me too. Uh I really appreciated Dress to Kill. I gave it a four star. I love Dress to Kill. I think it's a, a four star movie all the way. It gets wacky uh, by the end. Like I would have given it a five star, really, for its like first third even half you know but it goes dips down into like two or three star territory for me in places after that so i just rounded it all together to a four star because you know i was never bored and i really appreciated like there's a real filmmaking craft real visual storytelling you know in the in that first third or so and then it, it just kind of goes off the rails very purposefully you know and it does it well but you know i have to say like i, I really appreciate that that other stuff and it seemed kind of good jarring but dress to kill uh is also a little problematic you know yeah so uh, we'll, we'll maybe leave it there but we we probably will eventually deep dive this movie i mean i want to because i love brian de palma so much and the thing is that after we talked about carrie on that deep dive i just was like in brian de palma like headspace right and um i really wanted you to watch this movie i'm glad that we watched it together and i i'm glad that you liked it the way that you did i i also agree with the problems that you have but I, it's my second favorite brian de palma movie i think it's fantastic just love it um, but I also watched another Brian De Palma movie because I had a little nostalgia thing going on. So post Dress to Kill, I decided I was going to watch Blowout and um, hadn't seen it in many, many years and just fucking love it. It's great. John Travolta is fantastic in this movie. It is classic Brian De Palma. Um, you can give it a loving score. I mean, I gave it three and a half stars, right? So, I mean, I've, I've ranked my De Palma films and I will <laughs> you know, pontificate on that. This is just not really the space for it, you know? But, uh, you mean Blowout's not as good as Just to Kill. It's not as good as Carrie, but it's a, it's a really good, fun Brian De Palma movie. And, um, I really enjoyed watching it. I'd forgotten almost everything about it because I hadn't seen it since I was probably a teenager when I first discovered De Palma. Okay. So. Yeah, it's um, it's a good watch. Go yeah. watch. It. I need to, yeah, I need to brush up on my diploma. I've seen all the other ones you mentioned, but Blowout, I still haven't. Yeah, well, I think you'd like it. I I also went backwards because I enjoyed a movie and it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid called Dragon Slayer. And this is very lightly horror horror adjacent. I, I think I remember it being more horrific than than not, you know, because there's some blood and there's some you know bones and you know eating people and things like that, but they don't really show much. But unfortunately, like the main hero of the story is the same actor <laughs> that was one of the camp counselors in Adam's Family Values. <laughs> so I couldn't see him as a hero. <laughs> and like the Peter bumbling, McNichol? yes, and the fucking bumbling idiot <laughs> from Ghostbusters 2 or whatever. And I'm just like, how is he like their Luke Skywalker for this movie? <laughs> and I've I just, I couldn't movie. unsee it. And like that, it just 
ruined the movie for me. There is even pe- I think there's even peen in this movie. His what? his peen, you know? And there's some wacky effects and it's just not very good. I had to give it a two star. It was kind of disappointing. I have never seen this movie. I know it exists, you know. I just uh I just never I never watched it when I was younger at all. Um and I probably won't <laughs> based yeah. on all that. I mean, I mean like although I will say I'm a little, you know, interested in seeing Peter Manigle's being, oh, but it's not even worth it. Just skip to that part. I'll just, I'll just Google it. Yeah. Um so I had one final foray into nostalgia and it's a movie I've been threatening to watch since we started this podcast and that's Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, like we have this weekend every year where my, my aunt and my cousin come down and we just have like mother daughter weekend by the pool. And, um, you know, at night we sometimes watch movies or play games and we were singing little shop of horror songs like all weekend long randomly. And I was like, let's just put it on. And I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I know everything about it. I know all the music and I was just sort of blown away by how, well it holds up and how good it is and like i gave it five stars like i think this is a perfect movie (laughs) the puppetry in this movie is so good the direction the comedy the music i mean it just works i just love it i think this has probably got to be in my top 10 favorite movies of all time wow and now that i have like rediscovered it I really want to deep dive into this at some point. I know that we've talked about that before, you know, and obviously a lot of people have seen this movie, so I don't have to go on and on about it, but I just was reminded about how fucking good it is. Did you say it's sci-fi horror? I think so. Yeah, sci-fi horror, musical comedy. <laughs> That's the best subgenre ever. <laughs> For reals. So I watched a little bit of TV. Oh, I didn't watch any. So what did you watch? <laughs> so I, of course, the Marvel shows came out, right? And so I had to watch WandaVision, which was just so delightful. I loved it. It's just, it kind of goes into, um, you know, it's obviously famously, it's black and white and, and it's filmed like, a, you know, one of the old, you know, 50s, 60s um, sitcoms, you know, like I Love Lucy or whatever. And then it kind of goes through the decades into like the Roseanne era and, you know, it's and it kind of like evolves from there and it gets into some real interesting horror places and, and, uh, kind of ends a little weird, kind of like not a little bit more kitty than I would have liked. Um, although there's a post credits that's a little bit more fun, um, and horror adjacent, but I would say that I would definitely recommend it. I give it a four stars and I've also started Loki and, um, the first two episodes have been really great and as of this uh, as of this recording i've seen the third episode which was less great so i'm sure there's like another like six or seven episodes or something so we'll see what happens um but so far i give it a four star as well wasn't there a third one on disney plus uh falcon and the winter soldier and i have yeah. almost no interest in those characters so i just kind of skipped it for now okay yeah I do kind of want to watch WandaVision. I've only heard good things. Uh, you yeah. liked it a lot. Uh, my friend Erica liked it a lot. And I just... Um, a lot of fun. I know. I, I need to like pick that up at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Loki is fun as well. It's a lot... Yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to give any, away any spoilers. But uh, I also watched Castlevania's final season, season four. And there was a lot of different plot threads to this um, to the series. And obviously, I've, I've spoken about the series quite a few times over the last couple of years on the Mm -hmm. podcast and I have only good things to say about it. And I have to say it ended spectacularly well, which is so rare for a good series. They really pulled everything together and they just really did it justice. And I have to say that is so appreciated. I'm going to watch this whole thing over again. I can't recommend it enough. 
you know, it's it like I just said in the when I first started talking about it, it's not generally my animation style. Uh, if I well, animation is generally not my style. Period. <laughs> but I really dug the shit out of the series, and I, I can't recommend it enough. It's just really great animation and acting, really wonderful, really interesting and dark storytelling. A lot of gore, blood and guts, and nudity and sex and violence, and it's just great, great shit. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Castlevania is all out there now, I believe on Netflix. And that studio has gone on to do like Blood of Zeus, which is also excellent. And they're doing like another like spinoff series, I think, for Castlevania because they've seen so much success. And um, I can't wait for all of it because it's just, it's just been wonderful. Yeah, I did see that in the news recently that they were going to have some more Castlevania esque yeah. type shows. If I was still doing 0.5s, this would have gotten a four and a half, I think. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, finally, I need to, I mean, I can't let a year go by and not talk about the Academy Awards like I haven't already when we talked about Promising Young Woman. But um, there's one particular movie that I want to shout out because I thought it was just phenomenal and probably would end up being my favorite movie of last year. And that is Nomadland Same. by Chloe Zhao. Yeah, it was just such an amazing movie, an amazing performance by Frances McDormand. Um, and I think even she was kind of upstaged sometimes by some of these real life people who experience these events. Yes, right, yes. In the movie, and I just really, really loved it. It was, it was touching, and um, delightful in places, and also incredibly sad in places. And it was just, it reminded me of you know the power that movies can sort of provide. Right. And I think that Chloe Zhao just like really deserved that director win. I think the movie deserved its best picture win. And and oftentimes I don't always agree with the Academy, but I think they really got it right this year. I think so too. I haven't seen every nomination um, or every nominated movie, but I, I saw this one and I really, and I really dug it. I, I forget whether I gave it a four or five star, but it's up there. So I, I completely agree with your opinion there. I gave it five stars. I really, really, really liked this movie. And it's on Hulu. So, I mean, I know that this is a horror podcast. And sometimes we talk about movies that are not horror movies. And we do horror adjacent. And this is really not. Unless you're going to talk about, like, social horror, you know. But um, it's just a good movie, you know. And I really think that people should go watch it. Yeah. And she's going to go on to do, or she has gone on to do, the... um the Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. Which has gotten a lot of buzz. I wasn't super impressed with the trailer, but... I thought the trailer was great. Like I, I kind of want to see this movie a lot. I mean, it looks good, so, but yeah, it does. So yeah, we'll see. So I think the last thing that we really want to talk about is the latest release, really. Um, you know that that came out on at least streaming for us, and that is The Conjuring Three. The devil made me do it. This stupid name. I know. Just call it The Conjuring Three. I don't know why they. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, and then The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I'm like, no, you're, no, you're breaking tradition. Stop. But, I mean, to me, that was really one of the only things that's bad about this movie. Yeah, it, it, they, it, they kind of earned that, honestly. They kind of earned that subtitle, honestly. And I felt bad, I felt better about it after I'd seen the movie. And I, I, I don't know what it is about this universe. Like, a lot of people shit on The Conjuring universe and James Wan and everything he's, he's done, which I, I think is a mistake. I think James Wan has given so much to the horror community and he's in love with horror and he will return to it, you know, and, and I, I keep going into these movies with like lower than, you know, normal expectation, I think, but I'm always surprised by that. You know, I'm always surprised by them and I really dug it. it it's got like a 60% or 55% at this point on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score I think is in the eighties and I'm right there with the audience. Like I had a really good time with this. 
you know, what really sold this movie to me is like the continuing love story of the Warrens surrounded by all this horror and intrigue. And some of the horror was not really original, but they did it so well. They executed so well on it. You know, so I, I had to give it a four stars. I thought it was a really good time and I would watch it again. I also gave it four stars and for I mean the same reasons really I I really enjoyed that they you know upplayed the love story aspect right like we we know that the Warrens are a good couple they were a part of our top 10 horror couples when we did that countdown um and they they are just a really good thing to watch the thing that I liked about this movie is that they really gave Vera Farmiga a chance to like shine I feel like the other conjurings were really Patrick Wilson heavy and this one was a lot of her and um i feel i feel like it's been increasingly her throughout certainly yeah. with the uh with like the conjuring 2 with the nun stuff and i just i mean i really like you said like the horror in this is nothing new like it's things that we have seen before but i mean it scared the shit out of me in places like i thought that it was really well made yeah. and very scary just by the books you know and that's okay. by the numbers but they so. did it they executed so well i have to say again you know like I don't think they did a single thing. Like there is even some kind of, you know, imitation with exorcist and a little bit of it, you know, with some shots even. And, but they do so well with all of it. Like they get the timing really perfectly with some of those, with some of those scares and some of the horror that they do on screen and they do it so well. So I don't know, we're beating a dead horse at this point, but we both obviously enjoyed it immensely. So I'm, I'm excited for all the spinoffs that are happening and and for the universe to continue to grow. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to see where it goes from here. And um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. And I, I hope that people also like yeah. it. The only one I haven't really liked so far has been The Nun. And even then, I'd watch that again. I still haven't seen The Nun. Okay. Well, I think that just about Wait. wraps up our... What? There's an elephant in the room that we haven't talked about. What? Neither of us have seen A Quiet Place 2. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> we can't be bothered to leave. <laughs> To leave the comfort of our couches. <laughs> but uh, The Quiet Place 2 has, I mean, people have been loving this movie. It's critically acclaimed so far. Even more than the first and, one, I think. And the streaming yeah. release is July 12th. So very soon we'll be, we'll be talking about it on a future Shooting the Flames, I think. Yeah, probably. I think we will be doing that because uh, it's coming to the Paramount Plus and we'll be watching A Quiet Place 2. I'm looking forward yeah. to it, actually. I really want to mm-hmm. see it. And in July, our Alamo Draft House is open back up, so we'll be starting to watch things in the theater again, I think. so. Yay! <laughs> okay, well, now I think that really wraps up our Hot Takes episode. I know that it's been a long time since we've had one, and we just talked about a shit ton of movies. We did. So, take our recommendations, go and watch them. Even watch the ones that we didn't like, because we want to know what you think about these movies. You can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com, or you can call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Let us know your opinion. Totes make your voice heard. Mm. that also wraps up all of our episodes for june and we have a lot coming out for you in july because we are going right back into the alien franchise as promised that's right it's been a year since we covered alien and aliens and as promised we are covering alien 3 the assembly cut as well as alien resurrection and over on patreon not to be outdone we are going to be covering both prometheus and covenant for you so 
if you are not a patron go over there and speaking of patreon we actually have another movie coming coming out over there this month uh what is that uh recovered sebastian yes so classic gay art house film and that'll be released toward the end of june so head over and check that out it'll be our last pride offering this year also if you want to leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or itunes and a little snippet of why you like us we'll read that on shooting the flames it really helps us out <laughs> zach's not just gonna leave us a review always good never great i know <laughs> all right i know that we've watched a lot of movies but i have to go off and uh, watch some more so why don't we have some Sweet dreams. dreams.